have it france have won the 2018 fifa world cup the second time in their history and 20 years after they hosted and won it on home soil welcome to mostly about football in today's pod you guessed it we'll talk about the final of the fifa world cup the successes and the failures joining me as always standing atop a burning car in the middle of the champs elysees bearing the french flag and singing show tunes from les miserables it's carlos jean valjean medina bonjour mon ami hey how are you <laughs> a bit hangover from um celebrating so much i got it right i got the big one right you did <laughs> and probably the only thing we got right in this whole pod <laughs> um how's the traffic there in paris Mate, I think um, in the the famous, very famous French um, tradition, there, there'll be no work for about a week. Um, I think everybody's. <laughs> I think the the team is now visiting the presidential palace, sharpening the knives, um, see if the the guillotine is still in working order, and see yeah. if we can, <laughs> can find anyone. Just just to make sure it. Uh, you know, we don't want to lose these traditions. This. No, <laughs> fair enough. Well, look, it's it's a good win by by France, and and we'll talk about the final a little bit later in the pod. First off, though, I, w- I wanted to talk about the tournament as a whole. Mm-hmm. How do you think the tournament was? Was it well run? What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really good um, tournament. It seemed quite exciting in a way, and um, a few unusual results and teams that I guess did unexpectedly well. I would say others that bowed out really early unexpectedly so but um yeah i loved it i thought it was a really good tournament what do you think i thought all the stadiums were great the coverage was great there was no issues in terms of any violence which yeah the security was good it doesn't seem to have been any um you know hooligan problems no english fans got targeted (laughs) any of that stuff I, i think there were a few standouts in terms of a team's who failed and also who did better than most people expected. So mm-hmm. some of the failures, I, I would put Spain in that failure and it didn't help that their, yeah. their coach was sacked the day before they started playing. Yeah, they, uh, we, we always thought that was going to be interesting. Would it be used as an excuse to blame it on him or mm. vice versa if they did well, it would matter. I don't think that was the reason though, but it's definitely a big failure for Spain. And I think it's seen like that at home as well. Another failure would have to be Germany getting knocked out. Big, big failure. Yeah, I think um, I think maybe Australia scored more goals than they did, or about the same. <laughs> Both came bottom of their groups. But it's about the curse, isn't it? Of uh, if you win it, then you get knocked out. So we can expect France to get knocked out in the first round in Qatar. You know, they they've got form. <laughs> they've done it before. Um. I think the biggest thing is, unlike Australia, the expectations for Germany were very high. Yeah. I think I put them as a potential top three or top four. So even at the beginning, most people, um, them and Argentina. No, Argentina, let me let me rephrase that. Argentina were not favorites, but they were expected to do better than they did. And yet I still feel they did okay. I don't know. 
Yeah. What, what do you think about Argentina and Messi? With Messi at the helm, he couldn't do it all. And if there's infighting and there's fighting with, with the coach or Sampoli and, and whatnot, you need a cohesive squad to win a World Cup. And you saw that with teams that did much better than we expected. A, a team that was a dark horse was Belgium, and they did exceptionally well. Yeah. And I, I thought yeah. that was a, a very cohesive squad. Um, Croatia, far out. That that was all about the squad. That, they were putting in 110%, going extra time for every single game. And to be sh- showing up to the final as they did, um, I thought that was great. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But um, you also have Russia doing really well. Um, yeah. yeah. Sure, they're, they're the hosts and you want the hosts to do well. But... But it was surprising. Yeah, you're right. There's actually some stats on on how much they were running, and the top three people in the competition to to run in ninety minutes were all Russians. So <laughs> I don't know how they had this amazing stamina and strength to 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 be doing that. Well, it's nothing like their home support to to help you run a little bit further, right? Yeah, especially that home support in uh in some sort of injection form um but that that host placenta allegedly allegedly but a standout for this tournament for me i think mm-hmm. it's the end of tiki taka yeah i remember we were talking how we thought it would be about um speed um and the fast um the club and the pep influence i remember mm-hmm. i was mentioning that it kind of seemed that way but interestingly there was a bit of the really defensive focus as well Mm. which both counteract the tiki-taka. Um, yeah, totally. But there was only one drawless game as well. Yeah, it was a nil old, a sing, I think it was one of the highest um, score averages for any World Cup. Do you think VAR influenced that? Look, I, I've never been a huge fan because I feel it always tends to favour the bigger teams. Um, and it's always been the bigger teams that have asked for it. They feel that they can have an influence. I feel if there's a dubious call... And it will knock out Brazil. Do you think that ref is going to go out and, and question it and, and favor the smaller team if it's going to knock out Germany? Do you think it's going to do it? Well, they both got knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't because of those reasons. So overall, I think it's, it's here to stay and it's probably been useful. What do you think? I think it needs to be finessed and improved upon if something is dramatically different to what was ruled then I think, yes, mm-hmm. it, it should be done. But we saw it in the final with that penalty given uh, against Croatia. Yeah, it was a handball. The handball. But yeah. by the same token, it's, where, where does he put his arm? Like, And it was kind of deflected onto him. And I don't know. It's It was not a, a clear handball. He wasn't trying to save it like a goalkeeper. Let's put it that way. Yeah. To me, to me, as soon as I saw it, I thought, hang on, that changed the trajectory of the ball. Was that a handball? And then they showed the replay. I thought straight away it was a handball. Mm. Um it's really unfortunate because I think it became the only shot on goal for for France at the you know well into the second half I think, and it went totally against the play. But would it have been fairer to ignore it? I don't think so. I mm. think it was unlucky. The French had created the pressure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was a fair call, and I'm glad that that it got picked up. I was disappointed that it would be such an influence and against the play um, undermine Croatia's effort, who have yeah. been playing like the first 15, 20 minutes. Amazing. The standout for me, and, and I, I know for you as well, Carlos, there weren't any female officials 
Not even in VAR. Yeah, no lines, people or anyone. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, we we did um, notice that. Um, interesting. That's that's okay. That's uh, a few changes that are coming through, like the VAR. But I thought maybe there could have been more, like the fourth official, perhaps, or something else. Mm. Do you think the Women's World Cup will have only female officials? In a way, I kind of hope so, but yeah. I, I doubt it. Um, the same with VAR and so on. So it's, it's, I'd say watch this space. A lot of that stuff is changing. We were um, mentioning how the coverage on, on TV and so on and mm. the commentators has changed as well. And here in Australia, we had a lot of backlash with Lucy on SBS, copying some flag. What do you think about that? Look, I'm glad that it was raised by them. And I, I'm, I'm glad it kind of died down because I think that was pretty unfair on, on Lucy Zilich, the fact that, you know, she pronounces the names just like Les Murray does. And I think that was a clear indication that there was very sexist remarks because if it was Nitpicking, a guy, yeah. if it was a no, guy, no, no. It, it would be fine. It was, um, it would be someone in the know. Um, but because it was her, I'm glad that she, she got through that and did such a great job overall. You're right. They did really well. Being able to acknowledge and talk to those issues that, um, like I said, a bit of nitpicking on her, mm. um, on being female. Why, I think similar things happen in the UK where you had for the first time a female commentator in match doing the running commentary. Uh, I know that in, in Spain, um, sorry, in the US, Televisa was doing some, something similar with an Argentinian, um, especially brought in from Argentina, a famous female commentator. It's almost like, if you just report fact or they're on the sidelines, it's okay. But the moment they can have an opinion or their direction of the focus, it's not okay. Yeah. It's like what you said, that, that behavior of the, the language or the pronunciation. If it's a guy, the same behavior, it's okay. Mm. But because it's a woman or somebody different or a person of color, sometimes you then can we question it? Because when, if it had been someone else, you, it'd be fine. Mm. Um, so I think we need to talk about those things, but it's, the world is changing, things are changing. And I thought it was really interesting. And it's good to see more of that. What, mm. what do you reckon? I definitely think it, it's better to see more of that because football is a world game. It should have yeah. uh, opinions and thoughts from all sides of race, sexuality, whatever it might be, you know. And I think it can only get better. But there's always going to be a case of, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And I think we saw a little bit of that. But... I've got to commend SBS coverage after taking over from Optus. Uh, that massive failure. I think that was one, probably one of the biggest failures here in Australia where Optus just could not even cope with the most basic of streaming. I checked on my Optus before and it, from what I could see, Australia's still in it. But that's how far back the buffering is going. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the technical issues that Optus had, that shouldn't have ever occurred. The World Cup should go to SBS. They, they've grown and, and, and helped grow the game and the, the level of knowledge and quality. You're right. Um, and that being said, I still saw the, the analysis and the coverage and the people um, on, on screen on, from Optus were really good as well. Yeah. No, um, I agree. It's, it's a pity that, and I think it's better to bring, again, more diversity, more views. The fact that you've got now two, three competing at serious levels, um, analysts, ex-players, and so on, doing these means you can compare and you start to improve um, the culture of the viewing public, right? Mm -hmm. um, if there's really big blunders or mistakes, 
the people will definitely let you know and you'll see it on social media. So it helps to kind of um, elevate the, the quality, I hope. But it's a pity that technical stuff and the quality of the broadcast got in the way. Yeah. yeah. Carlos, let's have a quick break and then let's talk about the game on everybody's lips. You're listening to Mostly About Football. Welcome back to Mostly About Football with me, Roger Gonzalez, and as always, Carlos Medina. Um, now, the game on everybody's lips that everyone's excited about. The third place. <laughs> England versus Belgium. Exactly. Uh, I was excited to watch this. I don't know about you. <laughs> I did get up and I watched it. I, I quite liked it. Um... Okay, I'll be honest. I think this game, the third and fourth game, shouldn't be played. I think it's, uh, it's really hard for the players who have just lost in semi-finals to then rock up and play again, knowing that they're not going to win the World Cup. And you could see that in the game. They were tired. They weren't as sharp. Lukaku, you know, his first touch was a bit wayward at times because of that. And I think no one really cares who comes third or fourth. Really? It's still bragging rights. You still want to be able to say, Belgium, you still want to be able to say it's the best ever result. Yeah, but who's... You still want to be able to say, we beat England. Who's yeah. fifth and sixth? <laughs> who knows? Like, Yeah, that doesn't matter. You're still far down. The thing is, Belgium can have the bragging rights that they're, they've, they've come third. England can say... The game didn't matter. <laughs> so Kind of. The, the, th- the thing is, it reminded me, whenever we, we kept on hearing football's coming home, football, all this stuff from the English, I kept on thinking, hang on, the, the real home, you know, we can look at ancient history, came from China, different indigenous groups and so on. <laughs> that, so that's home contentious is it, right? now. No, no, that, that's acknowledged by FIFA. There's similar stuff in indigenous culture in Australia where they were paying, you know, from thousands of years ago. Um, and even the, I think it was the Dutch that were first, they, they've got paintings of that um, way before the English, um, you know, and Captain Cook arrived to Australia. So there's contagious stuff there. However, the modern game was actually based on the Olympics. So, for example, with the stars above the, the shield, Uruguay won the first two Olympic, they were the Olympic champions. So they can climb, they got two extra stars from that. And that is actually acknowledged by FIFA. The name FIFA comes from French. Right, the Federation Internationale Football Association, um, and I can't pronounce that in French. <laughs> so football was coming home, and it went home to France. That is the <laughs> the actual home of the modern game, and based on on that Olympic tradition, they have the that's what they give them the medals, and it's the gold, the silver, and the third place medals. That's why it exists. So there is a long tradition. I'm all for this game. I love it. I think it's good. It's still, imagine if you've just lost a big game. You know that you lost to one of the potential champions. You want to be able to say, hang on, we still got a chance to redeem ourselves and live proud. And psychologically, you can say, oh, hang on, we lost one big game. Yeah. But now we've, we've done okay. We kind of redeem ourselves. We've come up proud, defended the country, etc. And we can say, hey, if we had played them in the final, maybe it wouldn't have been that way and so on. But these are the beautiful things you can argue about in, in football. But um, I'm glad to say football did go home. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the final. Um, so France beat Croatia in, I'm happy to say, a fairly exciting match. Yeah, I was surprised. It was a very good game. I was prepared for a 1-0. But, you know, high scoring. Um, but Croatia came out 
all guns blazing. We thought they were going to be tired, but they came out and they were dominating play even though they were behind at the half. Yeah. Um, I thought it was tactically masterful. It was perfect. It was exactly what French um, the French team needed, a bit of a wake-up call. And probably Croatia's best chance was to go at them fearlessly. Yep. So, And to their credit, they did. And they should have scored probably two or three goals even before the... They had clear chances before the the French scored, which happened totally against against play. A couple of highlights for me for the French, though. Once they loosened up, the two goals by Mbappe and Pogba. Yeah. That Pogba goal was great. The fact that he t- took yeah. a shot then on his weaker foot, on his left foot, just kind of placed it in. That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they were 4-1 <laughs> up or what? 4-1, 4-1. Oh, that mistaken goal to make it 4-2. I always thought, you know... France have another goal in them. Like, they're going to make a mistake. They're going to yeah. give up another goal. I didn't expect the goalie to be the one that would stuff it up. And I felt almost they could have been 4-3 even, perhaps. But they were dominating um, mm. by then very comfortably, yeah. Towards the end, they weren't even trying to play. They were just kind of shielding the ball and wasting time and falling over a little bit. I thought. France were. Oh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, there was a few runs um, from both teams, but you can tell they, they were all like running out of steam. Yeah, not much left in the legs. Now, something else happened. We had a pitch invasion by Pussy Riot. Yeah, at first I thought it was only two or three, but then I think it's been confirmed it was four people. In a way, it didn't interfere with the game at all. I know Mbappe gave somebody high 10 or something. Uh, yeah, well, um, that's probably because uh, Croatia had a counterattack and that stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> I didn't think it was probably that crucial, even though they were kind of counterattacking because they had been kind of stopped in the midfield. But I was a bit annoyed. What's going on? Like, yeah. And then I realized what's going on. I thought it was a bit self-serving. There, there wasn't a clear um, understanding of what it was actually about. Um, mm. They were all dressed in police outfits. And I went and checked the social media feed from Pussy Riot. And it's based on some... Famous poetry and literature from Russian literature about mm. the godly policeman versus the earth um, terrestrial policeman. The, the good one that looks after the people versus the one that, you know, imprisons them and tortures them and so on. I don't think you need to use complex metaphors to explain human rights problems in Russia. It could have been, if you're going to protest the, in a way that really communicates, otherwise it's just about Pussy rather than the actual issue. Yeah. I mean, it's now confirmed that they're now in jail. So. Yeah, I wouldn't like to be protesting in, in Russia, actually. No. So they've got guts to be doing that. And I think a lot of people are not calling Russia out on that. Yes, they've they've held a great World Cup. There wasn't any issues, but they've got a lot of human rights issues. Um, you've also got Trump now in Russia, um, you know, <laughs> siding with the Russians yeah. as opposed to yeah, his own, yeah. you know, Secret Service and and um, you know FBI and. Number one, none of that surprises me. <laughs> yeah, um, FIFA also never has held all these standards to account, for example, with um, LGBT um, rights. And it was shortly after Russia got awarded the World Cup, they they passed these anti-homosexuality laws and even for information. And none of that has ever been um, talked about. With Qatar and the construction of um, um, stadiums, there's been deaths and, you know, really bad labor rights and almost um, slavery-like conditions for immigrant workers. And none of that has ever been worked talked about by by FIFA. So I, I think all of this stuff needs to be um, definitely acknowledged. 
we always say what happens after the World Cup is like the, with the Olympics. You have these mega events, you know, big stadiums and beautiful structures that get built. And they were all awesome. I wish we had some of those groundskeepers just looking after the, oh, the paddocks um, of football pitches we, we got here um, in our league. But once they woke up and the tourists and then the, the parties over, there's always like the post-World Cup blues. Yeah. And then you realize, hang on, which hospital didn't get built or which schools didn't get the funds to build yeah. that stadium instead? And that, that sort of stuff is more important to talk about than just uh, Pussy Riot in, in doing a pitch invasion. Yeah. That context, that, that bigger, proper conversation, I think, needs to be had. And um, a lot of the time, I, I blame FIFA and some of the bigger bigger groups. The, the good commentators and the good analysts understand that, and they've been around to a few of them, so they get it. And I think SBS has that understanding of world culture, so they, they've done a really good job in that. O otherwise, I thought, as, as far as the football, it was very good, I thought, the, the World Cup itself. But we need to acknowledge those, those issues that are definitely there. Yeah. And the Russian people will live with those after the World Cup is gone. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, for instance, going back to Trump briefly, we've all been there. Um, no one wants to uh, badmouth your boss, so. <laughs> Not to his face, yeah. yeah you know. that's right. I was going to say, you've been there. I definitely haven't been there. <laughs> anywhere near Trump. I know he's a fan of the pod, but he hasn't. Uh, we haven't heard from him for a while, actually. No, we, we, should, um, we should give him a call. And find out. Look, before we, we go, I just want to touch on a couple of stats. Um, the FIFA World Cup all-time stats, Brazil is still on top, mm -hmm. having won five World Cups. Then there's Italy yep. and Germany, both on four. France now join Uruguay and Argentina on two World Cups apiece. And then mm -hmm. uh, we've got England and Spain with one apiece. I was really hoping that Croatia would win uh, World Cup just to spread it out a bit more. And maybe join the club. Yeah. But out of those, Brazil, Italy, Germany, they're always top contenders. It's weird in this World Cup. Italy weren't even there. Germany out in the first round. And Brazil were acting most of the time. So um, There was also very few red cards, I thought. I think it was only four. I thought it wasn't very violent or very nasty. Like there wasn't a, no. there was a few hard fouls between like even I remember um, Uruguay and France and... Um, Colombia and England, things like that. England mm -hmm. gave as much as the Colombians did. They did have a couple of nasty ones too, even though they complained a, a bit. But there wasn't a lot of that and there wasn't a lot of whinging and carrying on after the games about dirty plays yeah. and the refereeing. Mostly, I thought, which, which is good. It was mostly about the actual football. We had the golden boot, Harry Kane, with six goals. Do penalties still count? They, they do. <laughs> Not, not if it's in a shootout, but just ask I've been Ronaldo. trying to come up with a name, like Penaldo, like <laughs> Penalty Kane. I don't know. I can't make Kane work with penalty in any way, but I don't know. Griezmann and Lukaku both came uh, second and third uh, on four goals apiece as well. Um, but the golden ball went to Modric. Yeah, best player of the tournament. The tournament. Yeah, great call. And I'm glad for him to get that honor. Are you okay with a Real player getting that? <laughs> I am with him. I, I actually really respect oh. him as a player. He's the sort of player that does not come out and needs to big-note himself. He is there for the team. He will A real team player, old school. He leads by example. He doesn't lead by telling people, look at me. Um, and I really respect that and, and enjoy watching that, to be honest. A couple of other stats. 169 goals scored. 49,651 passes, 40,000 of those 
were from Spain. <laughs> That'll be right. And no shots on goal. No shots on goal. That's right. Um, Courtois for Belgium also did the most amount of saves with 27 saves. And I thought he was an absolute ninja. He was fantastic yeah. in goal. Um, and really amazing, amazing goalie. Yeah, I thought the French goalie was very good until that final. <laughs> but Couture definitely the, the best goalie, I reckon. Yeah, and the player with the most attempts, Neymar. Ooh, how many did he score? Two. He did set up a couple of assists and twenty-seven something. attempts. Yeah. Wow! And I'll tell you right now how much he scored. Oh, I'm just going down and down on the list. I can't even see him. Um, yeah, two goals. Yeah, two. There you go. Uh, I think he's overpriced, to be honest with you. <laughs> hey, just before I forget, I wanted to mention this. Every single team that has won the World Cup has done it with a coach of their own country. Yep. And Deschamps joins a very elite club. Deschamps winning um, a World Cup as a player. As a player and, and, as, a and as a coach. That's yep. the most elite kind of club. Before I forget, Puska... Got it right. She she got <laughs> she got the winner. France yeah, finally redeemed herself. <laughs> she redeemed herself. Yeah, she got one, one game right, and it was the important one. So that's that's yeah, good. There you go. I think that's all we've got time for for the final pod for the World Cup. We'll we'll be coming back obviously when the leagues start occurring around the world. Final thoughts, uh, maybe coming into the Australian league. There's a lot of rumors. Yeah, Usain Bolt. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I hope he can play. I think the rumor is he's going to do a trial for like six weeks, and he's done a couple in Europe. That, you know, let's be honest, the Australian league is not at that level, so he's probably is at the Australian league level. So, for people who might not know, Usain Bolt has just announced that he's having a six-week trial with the Central Coast Mariners. Uh, he's had trials previously with Borussia Dortmund and other teams. But he's always said that he, he's wanted to play football. Now, he's very fast, but whether he's got the skills to, to play, that's another um, thing, right? So do you think he would be an asset to the A-League? Only if his level is decent. If he's a decent player, he has to be able to play. Yeah. Um, the Central Coast Mariners have been a smaller team that have always kind of punched up way above their weight, and yep. they've been able to develop... Um, fast attacking football with a lot of youth and so on. So if, if it adds to that, if he adds to the speed, maybe we can get a few French-style counter-attacks yep. uh, <laughs> with him running at you with the ball. <laughs> and if he can you know, do a decent cross, that he'll be the perfect winger. Yeah. It will also be a lot of money. Um, they will have to, I think the owner said 70% he'll cover and they're trying to work out some deals with the association, the FFA, to see if they will cough up some special marquee funds but it wouldn't come cheap i imagine carlos pleasure as always having you on the pod it's been a great tournament uh from roger gonzalez and carlos medina here at mostly about football goodbye ciao ciao